Good morning, Vernon. Good morning, Devin. Take two, take two, because we're being honest with the audience. Take two. Um, so uh, this week, I've realized that I'm uh, definitely becoming a, a podcast uh, listener, enthusiast. Uh, I don't know what you name those people who who's starting to like really enjoy podcasts. I think listener works. Yeah, podcast listener. And uh, before this show, I had not listened to any one podcast, like religiously. I've come across stuff on YouTube, um, you know, but nothing like that I was actually going on any. But put it this way, I had no podcast like apps of any sort on my phone. Where I was going to listen to podcasts, uh, and now I am now. Now there's like three, maybe four, like legit podcasts, and it ain't just like you know your basic pop culture stuff, like some deep stuff, some stuff that are really like some real conversations. So, um, yeah, man, shout out to the processes, black and white, and all the work we've done that has opened me up to podcasts. Yeah, I mean I, the podcast that we listened to this week for uh, for the show is it's called econ talk and mm. uh, i've been listening to it to since 2008 it's started getting recorded in 2006 i've listened to every episode and massive influence on the way that i see the world the way that i am open to new information the way that i try to think about problems all that stuff and i blame a huge portion of it on that podcast, right? Like my decision to get into software engineering is a direct result of that podcast, in fact, right? Um, so a lot of the stuff that's changed in my life over the last 15 years, direct result of podcasting. So I appreciate the journey that you're going on. There's a, there's a lot to learn and they're a great medium for it. Yeah, well, I'd say that the thing that I've noticed the most is like they say history repeats itself and uh, the other day, my daughter gets in a car and she goes, Dad, can I put on a, a podcast? She literally puts on a podcast that's like an animation podcast. So it's 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 a show that's not on TV anywhere. This show is made as in podcast form, and it's an animation. You know, I guess the animation comes through the sound effects and all that type stuff. But it's, um, you know, she's in the, uh, I forget what it's, gothic. Uh, cartoon and anime, I guess they call Gavin. I don't know, but anyway, she puts it on and in a car, and I'm I'm getting interested. We're on a car ride, and I'm listening. I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually pretty good. And uh, it dawned on me that like we're headed to a time pre television, like the 1930s or something, where we're where we're literally going to be surrounding the the radio, listening to like you know, things, podcasts, you know, like I spend, like I split my time now, my free time between pretty much sports, a couple TV shows and then podcasts. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's, um, when we were talking about it a little bit ago, it's the, the difference in the medium of listening and what that's like, right. For listening to an audio book, which we're both doing a lot of now, um, listening to podcasts, like there's something different about just sort of sitting back and taking in information in this sort of conversational way that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part, it's really valuable. It's really good to listen to. It's calm. 
is a weird word to say, but like, you know, if you turn true. on, if you turn on the news, you don't get information. You get, it, it's like, it's like an attack. But if you listen to a podcast, it's like a conversation and you get that sort of gradual input and you can really take it in. And I, you know, I've learned a ton. Uh, I find podcasts like super valuable and I'm glad that we have one. Yeah. I, and I, I, to piggyback on your listening part is I think, um, you know, body language definitely gets in the way of like natural conversation because a lot of times you'll start guessing what people mean uh, based on their body language and your body language, you know, it is something that's real. Like that's a real way. That's a way of communication. You know what I mean? But some of it is just like, you know, it, it's unintentional and you, you know what I mean? And you're trying to like read someone through body language. Like the, the idea of the podcast is you're just listening it doesn't matter what they're wearing. It doesn't matter how their hair is done. None of that matters. You literally get right to business. You know what I mean? Like you get right to it. Uh, all the nonsense. We're not even going to go there. You know, we're going to get right to it. And that's you know, actually one of my, oh, sorry. No, that's, go ahead. That's, yeah. that, that's one of my favorite things about econ talk, right? Is that you were, you were just listening to it and you had that experience. He's like, mm -hmm. my guest today is Lisa Cook. She's a blah, 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 and an author. And she's like this really smart person. that's very accomplished. And then the very first questions that they ask that on that show are like immediately deep. There's no gradual. Mm -hmm. There's, it's like, boom, here we go. We're talking about your book. We're talking about this interesting research that you did on the costs and, uh, and impacts on creativity and patents during times of lynching and violence like like it, it immediately jumps in it's pretty cool it's yeah. one of my favorite parts about it absolutely and since we took it there um this weekend you you recommended a, a podcast for me uh econ talk um and uh it, it featured an episode with lisa cook as you just mentioned and she talks about you know how lynching you know combined with other fear tactics uh basically put a real heavy damper on um, patents for blacks during the late 1800s, you know, and up to the early 1900s. Um, man, it's it just, it's, it's wild. And anytime there's a conversation about that time, I, I stop and listen and I try to absorb it all. But what I loved about the host um, was that he definitely pushed back. And wanted to, you know, know more about the data and really gave Lisa Cook an opportunity to really like hone in and dive in deep on all, all of her points. You know what I mean? All of her points gave her an opportunity to rebuttal, you know, thoughts that other e-com people may have had or other people that might think what she's saying. Ah, there's no there's no recourse for it. Um, she got an opportunity to, to give a rebuttal immediately. So I, I did like his interview style as well. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting show, you know. I mean, like he definitely, you know, just like everybody has the worldview and a, and his own kind of opinions about the way things should be or are or whatever. But you know, the important takeaway is that like she finds a pretty strong correlation, and it's obvious when you think about it that violence and people's creativity are deeply deeply related, right? And you know, you hear about these like tremendous inventions that are that are being patented um, from the black community. And you wonder how much did we miss? How much human creativity, stuff that could have been, you know, the future for us, did we not get as a result of, you know, 
having this period of lynchings and having this period of tremendous violence. Yeah, totally agree. As you guys can see, I'm looking up because I need I need his full name. Uh, oh, yeah, pretty, uh, Garrett Morgan. I knew it. Was, I knew it was. Uh, I knew it was like two first names. Um, so yeah. So she talks about Garrett Morgan, who uh, there needs to be a movie, like a legit movie made about this guy. Um, she gets a little bit into his life as an inventor, you know, during the 1800s. You know, and and she talks about, or you know, she talks about him, you know, born 1877. So most of his inventions happen, you know, probably when, you know, uh, 1897, 95 sure. or whatever, yeah. somewhere in that range. And um, she talks about how, what a creative inventor, but also what a creative businessman he was. Where yeah. she talked about, he would hire um, white employees uh, to go out and market his business and pretend that they were Garrett Morgan because he had such a like, you know, a pretty white name. And you know what I mean? Nothing that'll like send you the other way. So these guys would show up and be like, yeah, I'm Garrett Morgan and I want to sell you my, you know, my traffic light or, you know what I mean? Or, or, or my, yeah. uh, my smoke mask, my gas mask. And uh, then he would do uh, certain things where, he would hire a Native American in because during that time, Native Americans were kind of looked at as like, you know, medicine men and like, you know, they had a reputation of just being healers and like creative, you know, creative, yeah. all of that. So he would get a native, he had a Native American on board and he would go out as the Native Americans assistant on certain uh, times where they would be making pitches just so that he can help give answers but he would act like the number two and it yeah. wasn't until right what it wasn't until there was a crazy situation in a coal mine in like ohio or something right where he goes out it was one, one of those midwestern states there or whatever right. um where he goes out or middle american states where he goes out and him and his brother drive out or bu buggies out or whatever it is at that time and uh and rescues all these people from the coal mine carrying out dead bodies and everything carrying out live bodies like saving lives and he goes down and, and he, he has to be exposed as the guy who invented the gas mask and, and then there was what? some fire department in georgia that gets uh, that gets upset about it and and cancels all his orders like cancels all his orders because they found out he was a black man. No, the story wasn't, oh my God, he saved all these lives. The story was, oh my God, he's black. You know what I mean? Like, and, and now like, it just, it's, it's over. Uh, I want to ruin the mood here, but have you ever seen the movie White Chicks? No, I haven't. Ah, so there's a scene at the end of White Chicks and just long story short, uh, it's, it's a spoof on pro athletes and black pro athletes and their obsession with white women. And uh, at the end of the movie, uh, one of the characters was a professional football player and he, they were in the Hamptons and he was obsessed with like getting as many of the white girls as he can. And uh, it's Marlon and Sean Wayne's dressing up as white chicks. Basically at the end of the movie, the, they expose that Marlon and Sean are black guys dressed up as white chicks trying to save the the white chick's lives whose dad, dad was in some dirty business. And the football player ends up jumping in front of a bullet 
to save uh, Marlon's character. And at the end of it, he's lying on the ground shot. And Marlon takes off his uh, wig and all his stuff. And he goes, oh, my God. I, I can't believe the dishonesty. You're 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 not white. And uh it's just a funny place. Like here he is, he's a man, you know, like in a cop and like all this crazy stuff. But the one thing that he was focused on was the fact that Marlon was not white. Um but it's just like I am sorry. Same, I know it's I a, no, it's the same it's the same thing though. It's like all of a sudden you you care, not that this guy's saving lives, not that this guy's like got this thing that'll save your life, right? Because it was fire departments that were canceling their orders. Yes, so exactly. The gas masks go save their life, and they care about that? Come on. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like all, of all the things, you know, so it's a little light in the mood in a serious moment. But I just thought, like, when, when, I read, when she was telling the story, that's what, like, crossed my mind and, like, a little bit of a humor where it was like, dang, that's crazy. That's just, like, the spoof from uh, White Chicks. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it, she, you know, she was really uh, – they, they had some great points because they, they get into a lot of things and they get into even education. It covered a lot of bases. Like, they really did have some, you know, some real dialogue about a lot of different things, even with, you know, understanding, like – you know, the reparations they talked about. I mean, they, they really went around um, the horn completely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I, I thought that was really dope. So I, I would totally recommend, you know, grab your headphones and, and zone out on this guy because it, it, it was really good. Yeah, he'll get there on, on lots of different stuff and, like, lots of different perspectives. And, it, it's you know, it's, it's really cool. It's really a good show. Um, and so that spurs you to listen to another podcast you were telling me about. Yeah, it, 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 it then, um, I guess later that day, um, riding in the car, uh, and Charlemagne, our, our buddy who does the We, uh, we Got Answers podcast, also member of the Breakfast Club, is where he kind of got his fame from. Um, and uh, he does this donkey of the day on uh, on their show, The Breakfast Club, and so. The don't get a day were a couple senators um, who were basically coming down on 1619, which is a New York Times um, podcast. But also they do a um, they're making a push to make 1619 be one of the important dates in American history. And I didn't I, I kind of knew a little bit of what 1619 what or what it might have been about. But 1619 is the recorded day of the first ship that came to shore with uh, 20 uh, African slaves on it. And it, it was many more, but a lot of them didn't make it. And they ended up at the end of the trip. They had 20 slaves that came ashore. And it was the first sign of those that first wave of slavery that sure, came the onto the land. Yeah, it was the start. So the push that the New York Times and this writer is doing is like, you know, as far as American history goes, why aren't we making these dates just as important as any other date as 1776? You know what I mean? Like this date is just as important. And and that was that's the point of the uh, the podcast. And basically the don't get a week came because uh, these senators basically went out and pretty much said we don't need to rehash the ugliness of american history we shouldn't be teaching this stuff to children you know uh one of them said the you know 
uh, slavery had good, bad, and ugly in it. You know, like it, it was, it was all these. Yeah, I know, right? It was all these. It was all these just dumb remarks. So he named them all Donkey of the Week based on sixteen nineteen, and then I was like, dang, okay, what the heck is sixteen nineteen? I gotta go. I gotta go check out sixteen nineteen, and so I did, and it was it was unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Good podcast, Devin. When I tell you. It, well, let, was, let's make let's make it let's make it this week's podcast. That yeah, we listen to. yeah. Because yes. we, we seem to be doing this this little routine right now, so let's, I let's like lean this. into it. You'll we'll do sixteen nineteen episode one as this week's podcast for everybody to listen to. Yeah, let's do that because this. Oh my god, it's so good. She All does right. a she does an amazing job. So yeah, let's do that, and then let's dive deeper in it um, next week because it's, it's definitely is. I can't wait. I, I can't wait for you to hear it. And for yeah. you, audience, to hear it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. It's it's I'm glad that you're that you're enjoying podcasts as much as I am because like, and it's funny like sort of everybody's getting into it now, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which which I think is good. Like, you know, so we recently started using uh, FusionCast for our podcast. We're like picking up a different recording tool, right? Because we're using somebody who's starting a company, just like process is black and white right like if you're if you're starting a thing we want to be a supporter right so we're using this thing called fusion cast because this guy's trying to build a company around his podcast app and and i think that's a great idea and i'm excited for him and he's like under active development and everything so i think that that's a good thing whereas like tricast which we've been using is great it got us started right i think we're both like happy for how easy it was to get started but this is now like a little bit more advanced. We're going to have some video that's going to come. Hopefully one of these days we'll have that up there and everything. So like seeing other people get into this, this podcasting thing and like getting the value out of it that I got is, I don't know, it's really exciting. And it seems like a big opportunity and a good space to be in, you know? Totally agree. Totally agree. There's tons of them there. I mean, it has every genre that television has. You know, and and, and that's the beauty of it. So even as we transition to the book, the book itself is pretty much in podcast form almost. You know, like, like, you know, it's an audio book. We've done a lot of our books in podcast form. And, um, you know, and just sound. And I always say this, I believe it, you know, to the core is the first thing that resonates for me with anything is sound. The first thing that resonates for me is sound. It's the one thing that you can, the first scent that you can get from a distance. You know what I mean? Like I can be 20 feet away, even further. I can be a hundred feet away from something and still hear it. It's hard sure. to be, you know, it's yeah, hard well, to be a hundred I mean, feet away. Think about all the things that it, that it is, right? Like you hear, like when they talk about baseball, they talk about the crack of the bat, right? Yeah, that's, that's like, first. That's a sound. Or when you talk about football, you talk about, you know, the, the, the sound of the pads hitting each other. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people spend a ton on sound for, cause it's sneakers, for good sneakers on a, on a basketball sure. court. Squeak Just all of that. It's, it's the first, it's the, it's the sign. I mean, it's the scent, um, that is the sense that is to me like the most impactful or the, not even most impactful. I'd say it's the initial scent sense that, uh, I resonate with, and I think most people do, uh, first, before yeah. any other other four. 
Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And uh, the so so what did you what do you think about this week's chapters for Brene Brown? I thought that just the topics, you know, run through them real quick. Uh, 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 Viking or victim, right? Uh, the perfectionist who needs everything perfect. Um, you know, she also had the numbing. Uh, how do we use some people look at addiction as just you know drugs and alcohol or whatever but there's other forms of numbing mechanisms that are out there um and then she also did the whole like something's bad gonna happen because something's good just happened that other shoe dropping so those were like the the major areas the four major areas that she discussed and uh for me this chapter i i really liked it because it was it was something that at the end of it you can kind of walk away and really like you know start minding all those things you know like like i was in a huge numbing phase um i'd say probably two years ago where i listened to sports talk radio non-stop where every part of my day was just filled up with sports 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 you know uh, uh um you know fantasy football this fantasy this year is the first year where I, you know, other than maybe uh, obsessing over entrepreneurship, there's like there hasn't been a real like handicap or numbing um, thing that I've been like, you know, just like obsessed with like I normally am. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about like the entrepreneurship thing because you know, I, I definitely have thrown myself into, you know, what I guess some people might call workaholism or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I've definitely gone into that route before, but, you know, I, I think from the perspective that I'm coming at it from, it probably has a lot to do with the, you know, the podcasts and stuff that I listen to from in that space. Right. And we've shared a couple of those back and forth like mm -hmm. the cookie episode and all that. But, um, you know, I, I'm looking to have a business that helps fulfill my life rather than owns yes. my life. And um, that's a very, like, that's kind of like this, a more of a partnership thing that's, that's got a different role in it. And I think that if I'm going to buy the numbing theory that she presents, and I'm not sure that I do, but I, I like what she presented, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. sure that I agree with it, but I like, I like what she said. This is feels to me different because my orientation around it is that I want, you know, the process is black and white podcast. The business that I'm doing on the side, working with my wife on her stuff, all that is in partnership rather than just mm -hmm. one thing to sort of numb down, if that makes sense. Totally agree. And that was the point. That That's exactly how I feel is I, I'm like numbing out on family. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, Not a terrible and, thing. Not a terrible thing. So, you know, I, I think it's when you turn it. I, I think the numbing thing and... and and where I do understand, again, similar in the boat you're in, where, you know, I get it for certain things. And I think the real thing that you got to be mindful of is those isolated numbings. You know what I mean? Those ones where you're turning off your family or your wife or, you know, the people in your life to go, you know, be on the Internet, you know, playing, I don't know, whatever game you play for hours and hours at a time. With, with strangers or you know what I mean like when you're losing sight of your loved ones is when it becomes an issue you know and I think from the workaholic standpoint for me and the wife is that 
we are so focused on this on these businesses and growing and and having setting up a life for our family that we do have to be mindful that you know hey the kids might not see everything that way so we do have to be mindful that we're not i'm i have to be mindful that i'm not losing myself so much in the work and that i am able to be seen by my kids as approachable dad's home I can go up to him. I don't have to worry that he's working right now and I don't want to disturb him. You know, that, yeah, that's I, my I thing. I suppose, especially with your job and so, I mean, you have, you have both your job and your business, right? And your yes. job is very, you know, I mean, your job is to lead and be an emotional rock and ha yes. show that stability and kind of like ha command the room, right? Like you're, yes. the whole time that you're at work, you are on and you have mm -hmm. to be. Um, mm -hmm. And so you're commanding the room and you're being that emotional rock and you're there to listen and, you know, provide feedback and coaching and all that stuff. When you walk in the house, you then have to shift to similar stuff that's that's also different. Right. Because it's a, a family relationship. So I imagine that's a hard balance. Yeah, for sure. And it's also, like I said a few weeks ago, as I find myself. I, I have to find a way also to like, how do I unplug a little bit even at work? How do I not give all of it to work? Because I do come home and my wife thinks it's like, oh, you're unhappy. You're this, you know, all of that type stuff. You know how it is. Um, sure. And really, and really what I what I tell her is, nah, I'm just, I, I plug in for too long at work. And, and when I get home, I'm just like, I'm tired and not physically. But I'm emotionally, I just need to like not think. I'm thinking all day at work. I'm in a conscious, imagine me in a conscious state, like a real conscious state all the time. Yeah. It is like, it is, it is, it's draining. It's not hard. It's just draining. Yeah. To be so in a conscious state at all times. Oh, it totally is, dude. So uh, one of the things that, Sarah is like learning now, right? Because she's doing this software engineering path. But um, that I would say to her all the time is that like, we would get to Wednesday, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I would just be like, I don't care. Whatever, whatever decision you want to make, yeah. <laughs> you just make the decision. I'll do literally anything. I don't care. What do you want for dinner? We'll eat that. Like I just, by Wednesday, I can't make any more decisions. Yes. I'm like, yes. I'm exhausted from making choices. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it, I think that that's, and, you know, I mean, I guess it doesn't really come up in this, in this book too much, but like, you know, that's a real thing. Like, how do we, how do we balance decision fatigue that, that we experience in our life and then make that, make that work in both our lives and in our businesses, because our businesses are side projects, right? By very definition. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> No, that's so true. Deci decision fatigue. That is so real, man. That is so real. <laughs> I don't know who I heard that from first, but that when I heard them say, oh, I have decision fatigue, I was like, oh, that's what I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Because the thing at work is like, because you're when you're in a leadership role, none of your decisions are unconscious decisions. They can't be. If you start making unconscious decisions in a leadership role, now it's like, you know, you're, you're putting yourself into a situation where something something could happen and you're liable for that. 
You know what I mean? Like, you can't just be saying, like, at home, I make a lot of unconscious decisions. And it's like, Dad, can I have this? I'm like, sure. And then you go in, it's like 9 a.m. and they're eating an ice cream sandwich. And I'm just like, ah, whatever. No harm, no foul. You know what I mean? But at work, I can't be like, hey, can I do this? Yeah, sure, sure. You know what I mean? And the next thing you know, there's like, you know, some crazy, like, you know, we kicked the customer out because they didn't say hi to him or something. You know what I mean? Like, so you're constantly having to really make real conscious decisions and you're right that drains you out man you know there's days where like i love i would love it i remember people used to say like hey when you do when you get into that leader leadership role you you then have to make the decision and and they would be like i long for the days i long for the days where i was able to just go work in area and put kids on shelves you know what I mean? Like, like I long that for sounds, those that days. That sounds like me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I remember that. that was your thing. Yeah. All we do is put cans on shelves. Well, guess what? I no longer put cans on shelves. Like, that's not what I do. I, I, no, it's not, people. Not I'm all. It's all about people for me. So I'm always making decisions. So you know, in terms of of the numbing, yeah, man. I I do. I see where she comes from, and I, and I'm glad that I've already shifted my life because listen you're going to obsess on something something in your life's going to get more attention or get too much attention the goal is to just be purposeful with that make sure that it's the right things like if i'm gonna you know spend way too much time on something make sure it involves my family you know what i mean like like and and that and that's what's key um what did you think about the perfection the perfectionist perspective a lot of this stuff I'm pretty skeptical about, right? And, and maybe it's because I'm not like the most emotional dude or whatever. <laughs> but, but I will say that like one of the things that she talked about is actually a thing that I do. Um, I have this list on my phone of like just literally just of happy memories. And it's like a, maybe 125 things on this list. And Sweet. every time something, something fun or good or like even just like a joke between my wife and I that happens that we both really crack up on, I add it to this list. And then when you're like walking down the street and you just wonder like, what happens if everybody gets hit by a bus right now? Like when you have those random intrusive thoughts or whatever, I go to that list and man, it works. Yeah. I, I started doing it like five or six years ago. Where'd <laughs> and, it come uh, from? Did it, did it come from somewhere or you just started to do it? I'm sure it came from somewhere, but I don't know where it came from. Gotcha. Um, and, and I just started to do it, man. And God, I tell you, it's a great, it, it's great. Like anytime you're feeling like just sort of like turned around, um, exhausted, decision fatigue, all those different things that you have that impact your ability to, you know, be the person you want to be. I go to that list and I like, and I'll laugh and I'll remember like a, a, a fond memory and I'll be like, man, my life is like, cause it's hard to remember how fortunate we are, right? Like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. in, a, you're in my life have been really, really good. We've, yeah, we've worked totally really agree. hard and we've got to, you know, but like, man, we're so lucky. Yeah, so, totally agree. But you know, it's funny because you, you you know, like you you would you would pin yourself as not vulnerable, like not a real vulnerable person. But I would actually, from as an observer of you, I would say that you are, but it's just in a different way. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like, hey, let's talk about our feelings for hours. But what it is is like, you know, those those like those sentimental moments. Like you're you're extremely sentimental. We we met up for three years straight on opening day at a Sixers. I know, right? And and we never forgot it. Like like three years or four years, whatever it was. 
But, you know, like, you're extremely sentimental. And, you know what I mean? And, like, really value and cherish people in relationships. And it's nothing more vulnerable than that. You know, you might not, you know, show it in a sense of, like, you know, like ba- like the basics of what society deems as, like, being an, an open male or whatever, right? Like, you know, right. me, I'm I'm that dude that's like, come on, let me tell you my life story and tell me yours, <laughs> you know? And that, But that's just me. But essentially, our levels of, you know, senti- you know of, of being sentimental and, you know, like cherishing moments with people and connections with people, those levels are equal. They're right yeah. at the same. And I think the fact that you do that is like, what's more vulnerable than that, bro? You like That's as vulnerable as it gets. You're saving memories, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's pretty yeah, it awesome. Works. It works out, man. And, you know, I think strategies like that for when life gets tiring. You know, yeah. it's helpful to have strategy. You know? you know what it is? Your vulnerability is you. It's very, you know, tactful, pur- purposeful, you know, by the numbers. Like this is this is proven for me. I've tried it. I've studied it. This works. <laughs> and that's your vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. And it has and it has a, some type of tangible like I do this because it is. And then my vulnerability is just like, you know, the door's open. You know what I mean? You can't record it. There's no there's no measurement for it. But the door is open. Yours is very measurable. And it's sure. like these things here. You look you had the number over a hundred. Like yeah. <laughs> you, had the, you had the number, man. So you know, I, I, I think that kind of goes back to the other shoe point that she talks about in the book is that we spend so much time worrying about what's gonna happen next bad to us. And it's important for us to be like, just live in the moment. Things are good right now. Why are we so concerned with when it's going to be bad? I never, like, that's the one thing about me. Like, if I have those thoughts, like, I immediately get out of them as fast as I can. You know what I mean? Like, if I ever had those thoughts, I get out of them as fast. And I tell my wife all the time, like, I don't worry about much. Because, like you said earlier, man, we're blessed. We're blessed. And I haven't come across the situation in my life yet that ultimately you know if it was difficult the outcome didn't lead to something even better you know what i mean so i I don't really worry about it i don't spend a lot of time worrying about that worst thing that's going to happen you know what i mean so for me um in terms of just like that fear of the other shoe i don't have that fear but i also maybe feel like i never dropped the first shoe either like you know like i don't know if that makes sense but I, you know, like I don't get really high off the first shoe either. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I mean, like maybe I, that's like, maybe that's just staying even keel. And I think probably that's like another business, life, family strategy that you can that you can implement, which is don't get too high, don't get too low. Yeah. Stay even, and and you know, I mean, we're both, I think, a little bit uh, focused on long term. Yes. outcomes Very right? true. we Very have a long-term true. mindset and i think that, that mindset true. probably helps that that anxiety feeling of waiting for the other shoe to drop exactly no you're 100 right that that is us in a nutshell is just like you know like we could we got a, a little bit of momentum on the podcast right now we could be talking about all right let's get let's go this route let's get some ads let's do this we got to get these uh visuals up here we got to do that and i think what we both realize is for me like I just feel good every time I look at the episode and see that number go up one. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that that's what that's what does it for me. 
like knowing that that number is going up one is like you know when the timing is right it's going to happen and we'll be where we need to be but ultimately what we can control is keep pushing that number up one yeah i agree i agree um what do you got for this week anything yeah uh it's a crazy week yesterday we got our meals together for uh for the the uh dinners that we're gonna do again so we did can I, I'm gonna tell you a quick. Sandwich. You didn't do 125 or 117. Or no, no, no. We not gonna do that. We not gonna do that. <laughs> we not gonna do that. But uh, we made everything. We got it all prepped. Oh, it was it was unbelievable, bro. I, I, so we smoked, you know, a pork Boston pork butt. Um, smoked that up real nice, and then made pulled pork sandwich. I know you're you're a man of the brisket and and all of that goods and the slow cook and all that. So we smoked that up. Broke it down nicely. And then, like, we didn't shred it. I didn't want it super shredded, like, dry, you know, super thin. So it's like chopped chunks. I like my pulled pork and, like, kind of like a chopped chunk. Cooked the perfection. 190. Pulled it out. Oh, it was unbelievable. And I deep, we did a little pan-fried uh, sweet bread and butter pickles. The seasoning that we have is a spicy seasoning. So the pulled pork has a nice bit of heat. Pickles cool it down. And then we used one of our seasonings, Say No More Butter, and made, made the seasoning with the Say No More, made a butter out of it, buttered the bread, toasted it up, made a, uh, a southern fried pickle pork, pork, pulled pork sandwich, and drizzled it with I, the house made barbecue that. sauce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll eat All that. Right. Bruh, and I tell you, <laughs> this sandwich, it is unbelievable. It's out of this world. Love it. Yeah, it's out of this world. It's out of this world. I got to send you the pics, but it's, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, so we did that, and the wifey made uh, one of my new favorite desserts of hers is a peach cobbler bread pudding, and it is, I don't have any words for it. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah, on my side, man, we, Sarah had this week off. She's in between. They, like, they do classes in, like, sort of six-week chunks and then take a week off. So she had this week off, and, you know, we spent a lot of time just kind of, like, being – married you know just like being two people together um, there you go and it and it was dude it was nice it was nice like you freak we both been in like focus mode and so it was really nice to kind of like chill back and, and be together um i did write a, a blog post last week that got like some pretty decent hits like it you know i had like 15 reads or whatever from people i didn't know so like that that's pretty good that's for yeah, for me at for least sure. you know what i mean and it's something like I, you know, I can't like really build a product right now. So at least being able to write and like organize my thoughts, I think is pretty, you know, it's something it's moving, moving a needle in a direction. Again, it's moving that, that podcast up one number or whatever, you know? So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that was, that was mine. That was a pretty good week. Yeah. Most definitely, man. So, uh, yeah, check us out folks. We're going on the uh, website. Check us out at the process is black and and then you can also search us on any of your social media platforms uh, at The Process is Black and White. We'll pop right up. Uh, have a good week, man. Yeah. Talk to you next week.